Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hallelujah. Good evening. Well, it's a pleasure to be back here. I was here last October about this time. So I just, uh, I'm just so grateful that um, Pastor Don invited me back. And uh, I'm just going to make it, I'm just going to come every October whether I'm invited or not. How about that? Uh, all right. Uh, there's a number of different materials out there on the table, resource table that you perhaps you kind of perused as you walk through. Uh, we have some brand new stuff since I was here last year. Uh, one of the things that I talked about last year and the, and the primary message, but it was in a, an encapsulated version, in other words, it's much smaller, but there, there are about five hours of teaching on three CDs in this particular CD series that we did not have that message on CD. It's called Metamorpho, Transforming Power. So we use the word and we found the word metamorpho, which we get the word English word metamorphosis. It's a Greek word, metamorpho, which goes, goes back in, in the New Testament. There's only four times in the whole New Testament that it's used. But what, it, what it's referring to is I look into the word of God, as I, as I focus on the word of God like a mirror. How many, how many know that's what the word talks about in a couple of different places? When I look into the word of God and I dress my life by the word instead of the world. There's a transforming power that changes me. It is the word change in the English, but in the Greek it's metamorpho, which means transforming power. It literally means taken from meta and morpho, it it literally means you'll change from the inside out. Hallelujah. And I know many of you have a testimony of changing from the inside out, if not all of you. When we become born again, we become changed from the inside out, amen? Somebody over here like to have this? Anybody at all? Well, I'm gonna give it to somebody over there. Watch out, okay. And then this one we did have last year. It's our best-selling series because it's so important. It's four CDs called The Power of Words. Now, every traveling minister has a series on the power of words, but this is the best one. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. A lot of people don't think that there's there's that big, it's that big a deal about what we speak and confessing the word and decreeing the right things and and speaking the right things over our lives. But it is very accurate. Jesus said this, he said, by thy words thou shall be justified and by thy words thou shall be condemned. How many of you have ever served on a jury duty How many realize, or have you ever been in a court of law? How many have ever watched court TV? Okay, all right, I'm gonna get everybody. You know that words that come out of the mouths of those witnesses are very important. They're legally held to their words. Do you know that in heaven we are legally held to our words? Our words are vital, they're necessary, they're important. So it's important in the word of God that we speak the right things, amen? Now I'm gonna give this to the lady right back there. Can you help me, brother? Yes, Would you lift your hand again in the light green shirt right there? She was first a minute ago. And then there's, there's another one that's brand new. This is the first meeting that I've had. This is two CDs. And this could be, pastor, this could be 100 CDs. Yeah. on being a doer of the word, Amen. A, do, a doer of the words of Jesus, yeah. amen? amen? Now, I love all y'all back in the cheap seats, but I only give stuff to people sitting toward the front. 
here you are, ma'am, right there. All right, can you get, all right, okay. Have you got a Bible tonight? Hold your Bible up and say, this is God's word or your device, whatever you got. I honor the word of God. It's the lamp to my feet, the light to my path. I receive the word from the Holy Spirit who leads me into all truth. And God's word shall never return unto him void. Now point to yourself and say, not only in my life, point to your neighbor and say, in your life too, Myrtle. I wanted to tell you a quick story. I, uh, last month, I travel once a month, um, sometimes two weekends, but uh, last month I was in Canada. I was in Calgary, Alberta, and Edmonton, Alberta, and points in between. I go up there every fall and, and uh, go to Canada at least two times a year. In July, I was in, uh, I was in Peru for two weeks and just had some glorious meetings. Over 500 people gave their hearts to Christ in the meetings there. It was really cool. Hundreds of people were, were healed and delivered and it's just really cool to see what God's doing around the world. But uh, being from Texas, you know, Canadians respect Texans because, especially Western Canadians, because they, they kind of try to be like Texans. But the rest of the nation, uh, there are some people that just make fun of us and they don't respect us. And I know about a guy, his name was Jim Bob. Now, how long, that's a good West Texas name. Jim Bob, he, he decided he was going to attend this one particular year of the Rednecks International Convention. And uh, it happened to be in Paris, France. And so being, a, 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 he, was, he was a wealthy guy from Abilene and, and uh, being frugal about his finances, he wanted to drive as far east as he could possibly drive and, and hop a flight to Paris. So he drove to New York City. And he had this really nice car. And it was one of those Italian cars, I think it was a Lamborghini, and, and uh, he parked in front of this bank. And he, he, walk, he walks in, you're only supposed to park for 10 minutes, so I don't know if you've ever been to New York City, but there's not many parking places. You can only park for 10 minutes, and that's not long enough to do much bank business. But he goes in there and he, he, he says, I wanna meet with a loan officer. And so he has to sit in the chair and wait for a few moments and uh, he finally gets an appointment with the loan officer. He said, I need to borrow $5,000. He said, no problem, here, fill out the paperwork. So he filled out all the paperwork. He goes in the office, he said, well, uh, sir, one thing you did not list here is you did not list any collateral for the $5,000. We're gonna have to have some collateral. We see in your, in your credit history, you have excellent credit, you have a, a, a great bank account. But what is your collateral? He said, well, come over here to the window. And he brought him to the window and he said, you see that car out out there? He said, I'll put that up as collateral. He said, how do I know that's your car? He pulled out his remote control and he clicked it a couple of times. It, it, it honked and it beeped and the lights flashed. Oh, okay. Well, I'll need the title for that. He pulled it out of his pocket. He said, here it is. 
But one thing, he said, I need you to t- take care of it while I'm gone because I'm actually gonna fly out to Paris this afternoon and I'll be back next week. So please take care of my car. He said, no problem at all. He said, when you get back, we'll have it downstairs in our underground parking. We have a cover for it. We'll cover it all up. We'll, we'll take care of it. Well, I'll, I'll have my personal assistant drive it down there. He said, one more thing, I need a ride to John F. Kennedy Airport. So I need a ride to the airport. No problem, no, no, no problem at all. So he flies off to Paris. And during the regular meeting of all the loan officers with one of the bank vice presidents, this story comes up. And they're looking at his credit history and they find that he's a multimillionaire. And they're asking the question, why is this guy borrowing $5,000 from us? What a doofus redneck West Texas guy is this named Jim Bob. And they have a big laugh. Well, it comes time for them to pick him back to the airport, pick him up from the airport the next week. They pick him up, drive him to the bank. He picks up his car. The loan officer says, excuse me, Jim, Jim Bobby said, I just have to ask you this question. We researched all your credit history and all your financial, your financial records. You're a wealthy man. Why did you borrow $5,000? You know, it's, it's you know, $170.26 in interest that you just spent and you don't need that. He said, where else can I park my car in New York City for a week for $170.26? <laughs> Last time I was in New York City, I, I had a rental car and I realized that my hotel wanted to charge me $1,000 for the week to park my car. I turned in my rental car and I said, I, I think I'll take a cab, but it's very expensive. But sometimes they make fun of us Texans, but we can outsmart them. Come on. Have you got your Bible? Turn in your Bible to Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. Tonight we're going to look at several scriptures, but what I want to talk to you about tonight are the three undeniable facts of our redemption. The three undeniable facts of our redemption. You know, all three of those songs that we sang tonight were applicable to our redemption, but particularly the last one. Here's the problem with many, many people in the Christian faith. We have this background, we have this religiosity woven through many of our backgrounds that's a sin consciousness. In fact, the sin consciousness is the parent of all religion. Now Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. It's not based on works, it's based on faith. Amen? Amen? It's based upon the righteousness, not of works, but the righteousness based on faith. And Paul the Apostle talks extensively about this in Ephesians and, and all through uh, Romans as well. Romans is a masterpiece of our redemption. What we were like before we were saved, what happens when we get saved, and what we're like after we're saved. And you don't even need a concordance with the book of Romans. It's so simply laid out, it is a masterpiece. So I encourage you to read the book of Romans. In fact, I gave you homework last year to read the book of Romans before I got back this year. I won't ask for a show of hands. 
But we're, we're gonna see something here that's gonna help us understand our redemption. Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse 10, I've asked them to put up the Amplify, but I wanna read verse 10 in the King James. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're not saved by works, but we're saved to works. Now notice this in the Amplified, for we are his own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God hath predestined or planned beforehand. For us, taking paths which he has prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now I call the Amplified the female version because it's so much longer. It's so much more detailed. And that's why my wife says you love it so much because it's the female version. But I want you to see something here. We are created in Christ. As born again believers, we are created in Christ. You know, every creator, every inventor has a plan and a purpose for his invention. And God is no different. He's the, he's the original creator. He, he is the only true creator. He, he is the creator with a capital C. He's the creator uh, of the universe. He's the, the best creator. And he is no different. You know, when you and I made things in elementary school, art class and other times, we made things. Or, you know, right now, perhaps children are in the nursery making something in a craft or whatever. We made those things and, and we would give them to our family members, our mom or our dad. We got to identify what we made. No one else looking at our creation may be able to discern what it is that we created. My mom, who's 84 years old, still has something I made for her in the fourth grade. It's a candy dish. The problem was that candy dish got commandeered as a cigarette ashtray for over 50 years. So now that she stopped smoking, thank God, it's now back to its original creation. But I never called it an ashtray because I invented it as a candy dish. You see, God created you and he made you with a purpose, a design, a will. He predestined you or he had a purpose in his creating your life and it's created for good works. The enemy, the devil, went into the Garden of Eden and sidetracked God's creation and then perverted what God's creation was supposed to be. Instead of practicing good works, they just started practicing works. Well, what makes the difference between works and good works? God. God. You know, how many, how many of us have talked to people about Christ that were, they were not born again, they were, did not have a relationship with Christ, and they gave us an excuse. Perhaps some of you in this room gave this excuse, BC, before Christ. Well, I'm not ready because I'm not good enough. How many have heard that before? I'm not ready because I'm not good enough. And this is what I tell them. You can go ahead and borrow this. No plagiarism involved. I'm giving you permission. When they say that, tell them, listen, 
Which comes before in the dictionary, good or God? Now I know that's simple, but folks, we will never become good on our own. We need God to become good. Man needs God to become and have good works in our lives. Otherwise, all of our works, the Bible says, are gonna be burned up. They perish. Amen? Now look at this next verse, verse 11 in the Amplified. It'll help us understand what he's referring to. Therefore, remember that at one time, say one time, you were Gentiles or heathens in the flesh. Go ahead and look at your neighbor, raise your eyebrow or two. Yeah. At one time, all of us who are now Christian, we were heathen. We were Gentiles. Heathens in the flesh called uncircumcision by those who call themselves circumcision. And notice the capital U, capital C there, meaning he's referring to the Jews who called all people who weren't Jews uncircumcised. What did that mean? Away from the covenant. Not part of the covenant of God in righteousness. Amen? No hope. But thank God for Jesus. Notice it says, itself a mere mark in the flesh made by human hands. Verse, verse 12, remember that you are, were at the time separated, living apart from Christ, excluded from all part in him, utterly estranged and outlawed from the rights of Israel as a nation. And strangers with no share in the sacred compacts of the messianic promise with no knowledge of or right in God's agreements, his covenants. And look at that statement. And you had no hope, no promise. You were in the world without God. Now that one verse right there is good enough reason to buy an Amplified Bible or to have Amplified downloaded in your device. And notice he said, we were without hope, with no promise. You were in the world without God. Now that verse right there should make every one of us as Christians evangelists to the world. Your fleshly, flaky, funky friends are without God. No hope, no promise of tomorrow because they're in this world without God. And Jesus is coming back very soon. Now I don't have time to get into an eschatology studied here tonight, but ladies and gentlemen, Russia is in Syria and in Lebanon. And this current administration has kept moving their line further back. And this administration has allowed Russia to develop a full permanent presence right next door to Israel. Do you understand the last times? You understand that Russia is going to sweep into Israel or try to and take over Israel. Right now they are next door in two countries next door, one to the north and one to the northeast, both bordering Israel. And they have permanent bases, not only, not only a Navy base, 
on the coast, but also multiple air bases in Syria. And they are not bombing ISIS. They are bombing those who are opposing Assad's murderous regime. And notice, our country has not been taking in Christian Syrians. We're taking in Muslim Syrians. Why is that? They're leaving the Christian Syrians behind who are being euthanized, being murdered like dogs. We're in the last of the last days. Now these things are not in our Bible to scare us. These things are in our Bible to prepare us. To prepare us for the last days. To prepare us for victory. Because Jesus is not coming back after a wimpy church. He's not coming back after a in hiding church. He's coming back after a victorious and glorious church. Amen. That has a voice. That has a voice in the earth to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then when we are lifted out of here in the great harvest of the earth, the fruit of the earth, the Bible calls it. The souls, the people who are going to be raptured. I know the word rapture is not in the New Testament, neither is the word Chevrolet. That doesn't mean I can't drive one. The word rapture is is a definition of the word that means caught up. And that is in the New Testament, that we will be caught up in the air with him when the trump blows. And he will come with a loud voice and the shout, the shout of a loud voice and the blast of a trumpet. Jesus is not going to come quietly. He will come, the Bible says, all will know that he came. It won't be secret. It will be, it will be obvious to the whole world that Jesus came back. And I'm going with him. Amen. Amen. And I used to say, I used to say with the first bunch, and then I realized, well, the dead in Christ rise first. So I'll go with the second load. Because I don't want to be dead when he comes. I want to be alive, and it's coming very soon. Amen. So we have have a choice today. And that is to help people that have no hope and are without God in the earth. Amen. Amen. Now look at this last verse, verse 13. It says, but now, say now. Now. In Christ Jesus. So now, us as Christians, we are in Christ Jesus. We were once so far away, but through and by in the blood of Christ, we have been brought near. Woo! We are no longer on the outside looking in. We are on the inside. We have a personal, intimate relationship with him, with our Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Satan was defeated. He was conquered by Jesus. So I want to get to those three undeniable facts. We'll start in uh, 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 Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to skip some verses that I gave the the sound booth for the sake of time. But Ephesians chapter 1 brings us to the first undeniable fact, if you'll look at verse three of Ephesians chapter one, it says, blessed be the God, I'll read it in the King James, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, say hath blessed us. 
So he has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Hallelujah. So I'm not waiting to be blessed. I have blessing. You see, God is a God of faith. We are to be his people. Like him, we should be people of faith. Notice what it says there in the Amplified. It says, may praise or blessing and praise, laudation and eulogy be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual given by the Holy Spirit, blessing in the heavenly realm. Now that's a key phrase, in the heavenly realm. Why? Because many Christians think they can live a carnal life and still receive the blessings of God. It's impossible. I said it's impossible. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, it's impossible. You and I cannot live a carnal, sense rule life and receive all the things that the Bible says he has already blessed us with. It's kind of like Christians trying to fight the devil with natural means. You'll never outsmart the devil. He's older and wiser. He's well experienced and well versed down through thousands of years of humanity. He knows that he has all the tricks. He's a deceiver of the brethren. Will not outsmart the devil. What we must do is we must submit ourselves to God. This is James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee. If we're not submitted to God, we have no authority to resist. You see, my level of authority is only as strong as my level of submission to godly authority. If I'm not submitted to God, I have no authority over the devil. Now I have some natural authority, earthly authority, just because I have a body in the earth and he doesn't. That's a different seminar. You see, if the devil had authority, by the way, he has no authority. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, he said, all authority, it's his power in the King James, but it's the the Greek word exousia, which means authority. All authority in heaven and in earth is given unto me. How many know Jesus has not given any authority to the devil? All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me, Jesus said, and then he says, I give unto you the keys to the kingdom. I'm giving you the authority. Keys represent authority. Whoever has the keys has the authority. Whoever has the keys gets in and out of the building, right? Whoever has the keys of authority gets in and out of the the realm of authority. So when we are submitted to God, we have bowed our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and we stay bowed. We stay bowed. I'm not in and out, up and down, back and forth. I'm not, I'm not erratic in my walk with Christ. But I stay in that relationship with him so I maintain my position of authority. That means the enemy cannot defeat me. There's a lot in the Bible about that. Now the devil does have power. He has ability. But authority is always greater than ability. You know, law enforcement officers cannot They do not have the ability to stop traffic, but they have the authority to stop traffic. That means their authority is greater than their ability. Your authority spiritually is greater than your ability. Amen? So I want you to look at one particular verse here. Let's look at verse seven. 
Verse seven, I'll read it out of the, the King James. You can read all the verses in between later. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now look at this in the Amplified because it helps us. It says, in him we have redemption, deliverance and salvation through his blood, the remission or forgiveness. The King James has actually mistranslated this word in the original Greek. It's the word remission. Remission is far stronger than forgiveness. Remission of our sins means this. It's a Greek word that none of us can pronounce. But it, it, it means to wipe out everything we've ever done to the time, up to the time we came to Christ. No matter how much Satan has destroyed, no matter how much Satan has fooled us, that when we are forgiven, we are remitted from our sins, that doesn't mean that Jesus just covered over it, it means that he obliterated it. He wiped it out. He didn't wipe it out, he wiped it out. Amen, that's far better. So I must understand the power of redemption. So the first undeniable fact that we see here regarding redemption is in Christ, we have redemption from Satan's dominion. Say from Satan's dominion. That means we have redemption from any power of the devil any dominance of the devil, we've been given redemption from it. Hallelujah. Amen? Now real quick as I wind this down, look at, uh, I'm gonna quote this to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it's a well-known verse. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many know that verse? It is one of the great verses in the New Testament. What does that mean? If I am in Christ, my old man is dead. That's what Romans teaches. Our old man is dead. How many know dead people can't control your life anymore? That means your old man before Christ should not be controlling your life because your old man before Christ is dead as a dead man. Amen. He should have no authority and no power over your life. Go ahead and throw some more dirt on him and tell him to shut up. Go ahead and tamp it down and say no more. Now I know there are people still haunted by dead family members' words, but they are dead. They can't harm you anymore. Amen. We're free from it. Maybe a dead distant relative. Hopefully it's not a person sitting next to you. But anyway, the second undeniable fact of our redemption is that the instant we're born again, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say in Christ. So that means I need to stay in Christ. I need to keep my position in Christ. I need to keep walking in Christ. 
How many know a walk is one step in front of the other? It's not hard. Some people, some Christians will tell me, oh, you don't understand, Brother John. It's just so hard to walk with God. No, it's not. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. The walk of God is real simple. It's one foot in front of the other. We can all do that. We can do one foot in front of the other. We can take one step at a time. There's nothing in your Bible that talks about a leap of faith. It's a walk of faith. Amen? There's no thing in your Bible about blind faith. No, we go into this with our eyes wide open. Amen? That's what the word is for, to keep our eyes on the word of God. And thirdly, this brings us to the last verse back in Ephesians chapter two. Let's look at these verses. Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse four. In the King James, it says, but God, I like that, but God, say it with me, but God. Anytime you see but God, it is a powerful truth that's refuting the previous statements. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Look at this in the Amplified. Oh, he loves us because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful intense love with which he loved us. Verse five, even when we were dead, slain by our own sin or trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself. Glory to God. Amen. Well, I just feel so far from the Lord. You're not. Well, you don't understand what I've been through. Well, maybe you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what the person next to you has been through. But it doesn't matter what we've been through. It matters where we're going to. Amen. It matters about our position in Christ. Look at this next verse, verse six. Oh, I didn't read the rest of this. So the... I told you it was the female version. It's spread out. It's elongated. It's details. So the same new life with which he quickened him, for it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve. Now that word grace, here's where the Amplified is kind of wimpy in the area of grace. It's way more than favor and mercy. It is also his empowerments. So it's by his grace that we are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Now look at the last verse here. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him. Why do we get joint seating with Christ? Because we are joint heirs with Christ. We're heirs of God. Now where is Christ? Is he at the kiddie table in heaven? Huh? Is he seated at the little kid's table? How many remember that? Oh, thank God we we graduated. Didn't you just hate that? You wanted to be at the big boy's table, but you had to sit at the kiddie table. Even when maybe you were 12 or 13 and you had to sit at the kiddie table. Oh, how horrible that was. But Jesus is not at the kiddie table and neither are you. When I say kiddie, I'm not talking... K-I-T-T-Y. I would never be found at that table. I mean K-I-D-D-I-E. We were at the children's table. But you know what? We're not seated at the children's table. We're seated at the same place that Jesus is seated at, at the right hand of the throne of God. The place of authority. The place of honor. 
Amen. So he made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. Here's the third undeniable fact about our redemption. It is a legal redemption. It's legal in the heavenly sphere, in the heavenly universe. It's legal in every demon in hell, every demon in the, in the dark places, in the heavenly places, they know where you're actually seated. Problem is, many Christians don't know where they're seated. We're seated at the right hand of the throne of God along with Jesus. And when we utter the words of Jesus, when we utter the word of God, how many understand when we confess the word of God, we're confessing Jesus. Jesus is the word, amen? And those demons, they don't know if it was you or if it was Jesus speaking it, because it sounds the same, because it has the same authority to it. Hallelujah. So it is a legal redemption. Jesus, hey, he had to come to earth in the flesh. Why? Because Adam sinned in the flesh. So Jesus had to come legally in the flesh and live as a man, as a human being, just like us. And he defeated the devil at his own game. The only difference is this. He came of a pure seed, not of a broken seed like us. He came as from a pure seed in what God had birthed into Mary's womb. It had to be legal. So we are legally redeemed. So anytime the devil tries to tempt you, trick you, deceive you into going back into your old nature, you say, no, 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 no. That man is dead. That person is dead. I'm not going back there. And what if he says, well, you, you don't have the power to do that. You can just go ahead and say, no, I don't on my own but I'm not submitted to my own power and authority. I'm submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and his authority, hallelujah. So we have a legal redemption. And these are three undeniable facts. When we were born again, we overcame Satan's dominion, amen? When we were born again, we became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when we became born again, we got legal standing, being seated together with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Therefore, the enemy has no authority over me. Say, the enemy has no authority over me. As a born again believer, I have authority over all the power of the devil and nothing by any means shall hurt me. That's Luke chapter 10, do you believe that today? Lift a hand toward heaven and thank him for the word. Thank you Lord for the word of God. Thank you Lord for your authority. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.